0: two, one. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Miami Sea News Network. Gary Allen with you with Main Street. This is our first show for the new year. Hope you uh, will enjoy it. I hope you've all been having a great year so far, 2021. Hopefully, we'll be better than the previous year. We've got some great shows coming up for you. I hope you join us on Main Street every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. I think in February, we're going to move the show to 4 p.m. for a number of reasons. But today, we got some great, We have a great guest joining us, and I'll introduce him to you in just a couple of seconds. But I just want to tell you about the show coming up next week right here on the Miami C News Network, that's a clever way of putting it, I suppose, Um, is going to be Mr. Jeffrey Marks. He's in a walking encyclopedia of knowledge about Hollywood. The networks call him about actors, actresses, show business people in general. He has done it all. He's an author, producer, director. He's a very dear friend of mine as the gentleman who is coming on this show today. So let's get to it. Uh, My very first guest on the 2021 show for this year is a gentleman you've seen on Law & Order, That's where you saw him. He was on Dynasty. He was also on The Sopranos as Young Carmine. He did SVU, Law and Order. He did Criminal Minds. He's done many, many movies and television shows that you have seen over the years. Uh, He's also done uh, shows, work with some of the top actors there is in the business. He's also a dear, dear friend of mine. Would you please welcome to Main Street, Mr. Ray Abruzzo.
1: Alan who? Who is it? Alan, Ga- I don't know. I don't know any Alan. Ga- Gary Allen. I don't. Uh- oh, Gary. Yes. Hey. Hello, Ray. My, my good, it's my good friend uh, Gary Allen. Hey.
0: <laughs> you did that the very first time you did my late night show back oh, about four or five years ago.
1: Well, tell the whole audience I'm repeating myself and that I only
0: have really good one good joke. Yeah, well, you do have a lot of great jokes. It's just <laughs> that you tell them off air. Uh, you oh, know, and we'll yeah, be yeah. Doing it. How are you from your palatial palace in uh, California?
1: It, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's um, I don't think it's a palatial palace. I think it's a palace, but not quite palatial. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's, it, it's like another chateau that uh, even outshone Versailles, you know, <laughs> where the king lived.
0: How I far just, are you from the ranch where you work with animals and stuff?
1: I, uh, five minutes door to door.
0: Yeah, because I know you, you, we're going to talk about your animal rights activism as well as your political uh, event, which is very similar to mine uh, mm-hmm. because you're on Facebook all the time. But my dear friend, you look great. and well, thank uh, you. And uh, so I, I know you and I um, have a lot of Stephen Boschka stories, which we will get to eventually. If it wasn't for Stephen, neither one of us would have worked very much in Hollywood, as well as Robin Williams, who was great to me. Um, how much has this COVID not only obviously it's it's taken productions down to a level of zero to a certain extent. Some are just getting back going now. A uh, buddy of mine is on The Young and the Restless. They started back about a month or two months ago. How much has the COVID restrictions hampered the business and how much of this do you think is going to continue even after the all clear is given and we have this somewhat under control six months to a year from now?
1: Well, it's, it completely shut down the business. I mean, 100% for months. Shut the business down. Uh, it did trickle back with some very strong restrictions. I haven't worked since. I haven't worked a day since the whole thing started. I yeah. had I worked right before it started, but then uh, I haven't worked since since the whole thing has. So what is that? February March. Yeah. Um, it, everything shut down. Now they had opened L.A. That some shows some shows were shooting with very strict restrictions. You'd get tested all the time. There were levels of of protection. You know, people on the on the set had the most. And now just this week, L.A. has exploded in the last two weeks with cases, and the hospitals are are overflowing, um, so they've just completely shut down production again. So there's absolutely nothing happening right what now. Do
0: you, what do you think is going to happen when things open up again? What sort of habits that Ray, things that Ray did before the quarantine began, uh, the distancing, social distancing, as well as wearing a mask how well, much has your life changed and what do you think you'll be taking with you as you move forward when things open up again? Or is it just going to be when it opens up again, you get back to what you were no, doing before?
1: It, it's not, it's not going to be normal. I mean, you just think of, just think of even the casual walk past the craft service table. I mean, that's part of your daily day on the set. Yes. You're on your way, Ray, come to the set, you walk by the craft service, you grab some M&Ms, you, all that's going to be gone. That's, it's just going to be, that whole thing is going to be a different a different aspect the people doing your makeup. There's no way people aren't going to be wearing masks and, and protective gear and shields and right. and all that. Uh, you know, as an actor, you won't be able to, but I'm going to be a long time. i I'm, I bet another year before it's it's back to normal, but I don't, I'd say August after we're all vaccinated, hopefully, yeah. and uh that there'll be some more semblance of order. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take when 70% of the population and uh, everybody on the, everybody on a set has been vaccinated and has verification of vaccination. I think then we'll get back to some semblance of order, but I think even then there'll be social distancing. I yeah. think people, people are just going to be more conscious of, of germs. People aren't going to be grabbing M- M&Ms out of the same bowl anymore or, right. you know.
0: Um, how, about, how about your normal life other than on set? Because I know what that's like on set. As you write, you go to the craft table. I usually gain weight when I'm on set doing something. Mm -hmm. But how about the normal life for the people that are not in the business? Uh, I wonder what norms that they used to do that they can't do now because of COVID. Wonder what will change when the all clear is given that you can get back to some sort of normalcy. I wonder how our lives are going to change based on what we've been going through.
1: Well, I think you know people are so anxious to get back to normalcy. I think unfortunately there might be a rush to get past some of the restrictions that we should be doing because people want to get back to normal so quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I w- I left I was in Italy and I left Milan <clears throat> on February thirteenth. It was like three days later. Milan was the epicenter of the world, wow. right? And then it hit New York, but Milan right when I left just exploded and. I, was, I had just been working there, and I, you literally kissed every single person on the set in the morning, even then when you came back from lunch, you kissed them again, you yeah. hugged them during lunch. I just, that was such a part of the experience, you know? And I, yeah. I, I can, <laughs> being Italian might be the toughest thing to get back to after, after this thing.
0: Yeah, um, I mean because you know, I'm I'm a huggy person too. I'm Greek by yeah. nature and I'm a huggy, love you, you know, kiss and stuff like that and that all stops.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, totally. that
0: that that literally is going to stop completely. Boy, that drink suddenly went from a dark nice brown. Oh no, there you, it's now just water. To, it's what, just now, water now. Now it's water. Water. It's w- water as my blend my good friend Glenn Hirsch says. Um let's get on to the acting. You started your career in New York and if I remember correctly when I ask you what was your reasons for becoming an actor, uh, roll that by me one more time. Uh, when, when, when I first
1: were, got when I first got bitten by the bug,
0: yeah, uh, freshman year in high school, nineteen,
1: and uh, <laughs> the first the first week of school, you had to they had like an extracurricular activities day, yeah. and all the classrooms were set up, and you know for different. Sports and chess and I didn't I had no idea what I was gonna do and I was with three of my older friends One was really tall. He was gonna go for the basketball team. Another guy played the flute. He was gonna go for the band I didn't know what I was gonna do and walking down the hall together and I saw a sign that said auditions today and I looked in the auditorium and the first row was filled with the prettiest girls in the school and I said to my friends You guys go ahead. I'm going in here and I auditioned for the play and I got the part and uh, literally that was it from that moment, the minute the curtain opened on that play, Inherit the Wind. And the play started with my character. I played uh, Howard Blair, who was the young kid who testified in the trial. And the play opens with Howard Blair on stage by himself, my first play ever. And there's a mm-hmm. big high school auditory, big red velvet curtain opened and I'm alone and there's a spotlight. And it's just like, uh, this feels pretty good. Yeah. And uh, and that was that was kind of it. And then I just did everything I could from that, every play I could possibly do from that point on till now. I my uncle,
0: yeah, my uncle who was a comedian on Miami Beach, you know, Tubby Boots. Mm-hmm. And I said to him when I was a young kid because I got a part as one of the three wise men in the school Christmas play. Wow! It, and I no so knew- obviously
1: no typecasting in the there. No, no, they knew yeah.
0: it was, you know it was a Jew when they were going to say he gives <laughs> gifts. So what uh, you know? Uh, but. We had a wooden stage. And when Mm -hmm. I would kneel down, and I'm not the most, as you know, I'm not graceful at all. I'm not Mm -hmm. athletic. I'm not like my brother, Mike. I'm not graceful. And I knelt down, and you'd hear thud. And you'd hear laughter. And I went, ah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time. that When you get a reaction, that's it.
1: I, I'm gonna go back then. I'm gonna go back even before, if you, if you don't mind. I'll go back oh, even go. before my first play, since you talk about getting your first laugh, I was raised Italian Catholic. Obviously I went to 16 years of Catholic school. 16 oh, years. Oh, yes. <clears throat> 16, I'm fine though. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, I guess I was maybe 10 or 11 and I was in altar boy class to uh, become an altar boy. So in that time, this was the mass was all in Latin hundred percent in Latin. So you had to learn the entire mass in Latin as a little kid. So the, we had a priest that was very pious that was teaching us, Father Donnelly was his name. He moved very slow. Uh, and, and he just seemed, he just seemed like he had the spirit in him. I found out later he had a heart condition. That's why he moved so slow. He was uh-huh. just weak. But um at one point he was there was this, there's a response uh and the spirit be with you. And then the, your response is ecum spiritu tuo," which means, and the spirit also with you. with you. And he wrote it on the board and his back is to, to the classroom. And he says, ecum spiritu And I said, what is that? God's phone number? <laughs> and, the, and all of a sudden, his hand stops on the blackboard. His back is to us. He just yeah. freezes. And I thought, oh my God. And then all of a sudden I saw his shoulders going, and I realized yeah. he was laughing. The class yeah. cracked up and I thought, no, wow, that feels pretty good. Yeah. Getting a you laugh know, feels
0: <laughs> every every actor, every comedian, the first time they get a laugh. And, and then and then for me, you remember the first family albums, the Kennedy albums? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And I started doing impressions in in middle school because my mom got a hold of those things. And that's how it started for me. And my yeah. father always said, Gary, you're never gonna make a dime doing those impressions, stick with the school. You'll be an airline pilot like me, blah, 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 blah. And that's what I wanted to be, was an airline pilot. And wow. then I got my first paying gig, which is where I'm landing with you now. What was your very first paying gig?
1: My first paying gig was with New York City Opera, believe it or not, yeah, a children's opera. I played a, a female gorilla in a children's opera for New York City Opera. Okay, you asked. Okay. I played a female gorilla named Pauline. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you about my life here, and you're laughing. I, I know. i are I laughing know. at me. Well, um, you know, and Christa, I,
2: Christopher I, I, Walken would yeah, like this. He,
1: I think he was a gorilla too. But yes. I had a, a big blue and white polka dot bow and full dress in a full gorilla thing. And we toured the schools, but it was yeah. literally New York City opera. So that was my first job. Played Pauline, the female gorilla, in the toy shop with new york that, city opera then i went on national tour with them in barbara of seville national wow. tour with the opera i played a deaf mute in an opera perfect because i can't sing but <laughs> that, those are both true stories those are my two first
0: paying oh, that's union jobs yeah my union jobs were uh, my first union jo- well the first time i got my card i did a tony rome movie Mm. And I had one line in it because I grew up with Beverly McDermott's son Rick, and she would cast me in everything that she could. Uh, and she kept trying to tell my parents, he's an actor. He's not an airline pilot. He he's he's an actor. Look at him, he's an actor. And Tubby used to tell my parents, he's an actor, he's a comedian, he's not, he's not a an airline pilot. He's not, I don't want him at the controls of my 707, flying me anywhere.
1: Right. You know? I could see you coming over the loudspeaker doing, you know, doing shtick. You know. <laughs> We're yeah. at thirty thousand feet. You know, <laughs> you have to write your own jokes. I'm not like the write southwest. Jokes
0: like here. the Southwest flight attendants, uh, <laughs> right. they yeah. they love to do the shtick. Yeah, oh, they love to do it. You know that the Eastern Airlines, where my dad was a captain for like thirty five wow. years, they turned me down when I came home from the Air Force, turned me down to be a flight attendant because the woman said Gary doesn't have a personality to deal with people. Oh, well, they were right about she was. She was in, she was in sight yeah, there. yeah, yeah. She she, she you know, was. You know, very- <laughs> She said, "Just because he brought a machine gun to the interview, you know." Yeah, that's, but, that's uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And my father was furious. My father was furious. He said, "He said, what do you mean? My son Gary's the only one of the kids that has a personality of the nine of them. I got one that's in the NFL. He crushes people to death."
1: You have you have eight brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, well, there's six of us still alive. Uh, wow. Michael, my brother, um, my brother Mike Curtis, half brother. He just uh, recently passed away. He played for the Baltimore Colts for right. Yeah, like, I remember? 30, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know you're a Jets fan, so I'm not gonna.
1: No, I I actually became a Packers fan once Packers. I because once I played Vince Lombardi in the play. Really? I yeah, I became just obsessed. I'm not a big football fan to begin with, but I yeah. But, I, but when I played uh, Vince Lombardi, you just uh, you know,
0: he was an interesting man. I, he died way too young. Fifty-eight um, years old. Fifty-eight years old. You see
1: those pictures of him, and you can't believe he's—he's fifty-eight. Uh, he's yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: By the way, did you see who passed away out in your world? Uh, Tommy, right? Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, ninety-three years old. I, I met had a, Tommy Lasorda once. Nasty guy. Oh, see, Not I had friendly. A, I had a fabulous experience with Tommy Lasorda. Well, you're Ray Abruzo. I
1: wasn't then, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, 1989 when I was on Dynasty. Uh, we were brought down to Florida for a charity event and it was during spring training. So we went to Vero Beach, Vero
2: Beach, yeah,
1: and we were invited by the Dodgers with Emma Sams and myself. So we're sitting in the the Dodgers dugout for the game and Tommy Lasorda is sitting next to us. And of course I was a Yankee fan and I had gone to the game wearing a Yankee hat. Um, Mm -hmm. but now the Dodgers were playing the Mets. And I'm sitting in the dugout. My brother's a huge Met fan. So during one of the, uh, I was going to say intermissions. <laughs> in <between laughs> you it, and Robin people,
0: Williams, you don't know you, baseball. Yeah. You
1: show people. Um, I know about getting to first base. But anyway, so I go to the front Hey, hey,
0: hey, I We're call my bring brother. That that's, your, that's your other career. <clears throat>
1: that's right. So I call my brother and I say, he's a huge Met fan. I say, you'll never guess where I am. He goes, I know where you are. You're sitting next to Tommy Lasorda in the dugout at, at, at spring training. My brother was watching the game, oh. and they cut to me sitting next, to wearing, and he said wearing a, a Dodger hat, which I still have somewhere signed by
0: Tommy. I yeah, I met, him, I met him through Don Rickles, oh. and Rick, Rickles said to me, he said, now be careful what you say. I said, why? He said, because Tommy can sometimes not be so friendly. Oh. And I said to him, I said, oh, I'm a big baseball fan, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. He just shook his head. And I said, Mr. Lasorda, am I wrong or did you start your career in the Philly organization? He looked at me and he said, you had to bring that up. Oh. And, he walked, and he walked away. <laughs> you know, he just literally walked away. And I looked at Rickles and I said, what is it? He said, he doesn't talk about his time with the Phillies. I, I, wow. You, you should, know. I,
1: every, who didn't know that,
0: Gary? I did know
1: every, everybody. Everybody. That's one of the first things they tell you when you're going to meet
0: Lasorda. Don't bring up the Phillies. Yeah, well, yeah, well yeah. It's, a, it's a tough break for me. It's a tough break for me. When did you, um, I know that you had tremendous success. You mentioned a very beautiful young woman, Emma Sands, who worked with you on Dynasty. But for people who don't know, who tomorrow somebody's cast and they show up on the set, what's it like uh, being on the set when you come in as an actor, like on LA Law or Law and Order, and you're ghost, co-starring for the week, what is that like dealing with the other cast members uh, that are there like if you go see our favorite show Chicago uh, Fire Chicago PD you're on Chicago PD and and working with Jason and Jason's mm. a great actor um what was that what's it like for an actor to come in for a week you on know these th- shows? you know
1: it, it's one of the most underrated aspects of this business is the guests you know I made a career guest starring on shows i mean besides being a regular on those shows other shows you mentioned mostly yeah you know I don't, i've done 80 guest star parts uh i could get the feeling on a set three minutes into the makeup trailer you get a vibe of really? what it's going to be like on that set and some sets they welcome you and they really do understand the word guest and they make you feel like a guest in their home uh i give you ncis ncis is that not uh um, oh my God. Which you one, know, which
0: one, which one with the, the original? Harmon, Mark Harmon? Yeah,
1: Mark Harmon, Mark yeah. Harmon. <clears throat> yeah, I did a guest on that show. I remember walking into the makeup trailer and instantly, like 5.30 in the morning, it's still dark. Mm-hmm. And I sit in the trailer and I thought, this is gonna be a good day. Everybody was up and yeah. light. And, yeah. and it's all <clears throat> because number one on the call sheet, Mark Harmon is a wonderful guy and makes everybody feel welcome. and But I've been on shows where the number one, I, I did one show, I'm not gonna mention what it was. You know, I've, well. you know I mean, this is the scene I've done a million times in the interrogation room oh. at a police station and I'm on one side of the table. And I've said this line, This I call these specific kind of roles. This is the, uh, yeah, I knew him, but I didn't kill him. You know, that role. <laughs> I've There's done your that
0: Christopher out. Walken impression again. I've,
1: I I didn't kill him, but I've done that line on yeah. you know every police procedural where they bring you in you either did it or you didn't Isn't you that, that, that the
0: line you did with Jason?
1: I think I might have had that line which I have a great Jason story that was one of the Tell most it. Amazing-
0: For those of you that don't know Jason plays uh the, the lead detective in charge of the investigative unit on on uh, Chicago PD. Chicago's kind of a second home to me. And um, so uh, okay, you're, here's, you're gonna, here's a great story
1: hit. because it's going to tie back into Emma Sam's on Dynasty. Uh, when, right after Dynasty end, ended, Emma was traveling around doing photography, and she found this little dog in New Orleans, Slide Slidell, Louisiana to be specific, that was crawled out from under a truck, dragging her legs behind her. Oh. So she curled up into Emma's arms. She was all, brought it to the vet. The vet said she's six months old. The dog had a crushed hip, a broken leg, and a oh. pellet in her head.
0: Oh dear God. So
1: the vet said, there's nothing I could really do. She's really malnourished. Um, And Emma had two big dogs at the time. And she called me, she said, look, I'm gonna send this dog to LA. Could you pick up this dog at the airport and keep it until it gets stronger? And then I'll take it back. Needless to say, I had the dog for 15 years. Okay, so it it turned out to be the greatest dog, the smartest dog. But anyway, right when I had the dog, she still couldn't walk very well. And I'm on the beach in Malibu holding the dog in my arms, little dog. I'd only had it for about a day or two. And my next door neighbor was on a soap opera, um, uh, Sherilyn Walter, she was on General Hospital. Yes. And she comes walking down the beach with this other actor, with an actor who I had never met. And she said, oh my God, she's petting the dog. And She says, what's the dog's name? And I said, I don't know, I don't have a name. She looks like a little deer. I want something French because she's from New Orleans. And this guy that was with uh, Sherilyn says, well, in France, they say ma biche for a baby means my dear, but it also means deer like the animal. So I named my dog Biche. This is
2: 1989.
1: Aww. Now fast forward to Chicago PD. I'm on the set the very first day and Emma sends me an article. <laughs> now this is literally 20, 28 years later, 28 years later. She sends <clears throat> me an article that she just wrote for a magazine in London, in England, And it's about telling the whole dog story. And she ends the story with, um, I never understood why Ray named the dog Beesh. That's what she wrote. That's how the article ends. Let me tell you who the actor was that named the dog. It was Jason. And I had never seen him again from- Until. Until I'm reading the article from Emma and he's standing right next to me on the set. And I said, Jason, you won't believe this. And he remembered naming the dog. We had never seen each other again in 28 years until Uh, that moment so he named my dog that i had for 15 years
0: i adopted a cat in las vegas remember i was out in las vegas for what 10 years as a performer and i adopted this cat that i thought was a stray found out later somebody owned it but they didn't really want it anymore and let it go and uh kenny rogers is over the house i just come off the road with him and the late kenny rogers you talk about a great guy to work with
1: that's good to hear
0: Oh, oh he paid me before i even left las vegas Wow. He paid me for the two weeks or whatever it was. Anyway, so we're sitting there, we're watching a football game because he loves football. He loved football, and and furball, which was originally became his name. He's on the carpet. It's cold. It's like January. We're watching one of the playoff games, and he's rolled up like a fur because he just came in from outside and he wants to get warm. And and Kenny goes, "Did you have you gotten a name for him yet?" I said, "No. Everything I try, it goes nowhere. He doesn't get excited." He said, "Well, to me, he looks like a furball, and his ears popped up, and that was the end of that."
1: That, that's good. So we both had famous people name our animals.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately I had to put Furball down about a year ago, but I oh. do have Princess over here sitting at the uh, in in the in the commander's chair. Um <laughs> right. but when you do work with people like Jason and you work with other actors and I don't know much about the cast from Chicago PD. I think most of them are New York actors to begin with, mm. a good portion of them. Do you know the difference between someone <clears throat> that you're working with who has a good theater background which you do as compared to somebody who just took some acting classes and they're good looking and they got a break and instantly. they're now working I'm going to
1: stop you right now okay. instantly instantly I could tell the difference you know okay uh, just the way they approach the script just the way they can handle the language just the way they could know a three page scene with 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 no problem um yeah you know people that are trained that have really worked you know that aren't yeah. just that didn't just fall into, you know, it's funny because you were talking about, when we were talking about the different feelings and I said NCIS with Mark Harmon was the most beautiful. I did another show where I walked onto the, into the trailer and this is, cause this is going to relate to what you just asked me. And it felt, okay, this is not going to be a good time. This, you know, I could pick it up because the, the makeup people were tense and they, and I heard one say, what kind of mood is he in today? And they said, oh, uh, nah, it's not going to be a good one. Right. Oh, great. So then this person comes in, sticks their head in a bowl of ice, comes up and says, yeah, I'll be back in five minutes, walks out, comes back again. And I want to tell you, he wasn't the number one on the call sheet. He wasn't even the lead character. He was like fifth banana, maybe in maybe in his 20s. This was his first big job.
0: Oh, geez.
1: And I thought, this is not good. And I'm sitting with him shooting that scene, you know, the I I knew him, but I didn't kill him scene. And um, we're rehearsing it. And he's on his phone while we're rehearsing. So Giving his lines, never looks at me, never says, Good morning, how what? you doing? Welcome to the show. Are you, you know, kidding me? No, none of that. So, while we're shooting the scene, we're rehearsing, this is just rehearsal. The sound guy comes over to wire me up and he whispers, I just want to tell you, I loved you on The Sopranos. That's my favorite show. You were so good. And this guy pops up and all of a sudden he says, Oh, hi, how you doing? I was like, You know what? You. You, yeah, I know, until I know. you heard that I was on The Sopranos, you weren't even going to just say hello, good morning to a guest <laughs> actor on your show. You know, then you work with somebody like Jimmy Smith. So, you know, they make you feel, Yeah, you, know, you walk on a set with Jimmy Smith, you know, from uh, NYPD Blue and I did that. And I also was yeah. on LA Law with him for a while. It's like, okay, we're in this together. Let's work on this scene. Exactly. We are two actors working. And, and well, that's botchko. That goes back to the botchko. Yeah. That, that's the know.
0: way we were taught.
1: Yeah. And, um, I always go back to that guest star guest. They're a guest in your home. Treat them like fucking guests,
0: you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. And, and, and Steven instilled that in everybody. And well, yeah. I'm not going to get into it for these people. Cause they're going to hear it a hundred times, but you and I both can credit Steven for a lot. Of, that's mm-hmm. how I got on law, uh, LA law. They're not yeah. LA law, but I got on Hill street blues. And wow. then from there I got St. Elsewhere, which I worked with one of my heroes, uh, uh, Daniels, uh, oh. you know, Robert, yeah. Daniels. yeah, and and I said to him after I did a whole week on that show, and I and I even came back on days I wasn't supposed to be on set, wow, because I wanted to watch Bill Daniels work, mm-hmm. and I wanted to watch all the other characters work. I walked out with him on Thursday afternoon around 8 o'clock, and we've been there since five o'clock in the morning, which is not unusual, as no, you know. Not at all. No. And I said to him, I said, Mister Daniels, you know how I feel about seventeen seventy six, the musical you did. I want to tell you, I learned more from you watching you this week. Ken Howard laughed at this when I told him Mm -hmm. and he said, and he says, I said, I've learned more from you watching you. And I worked with you in two scenes than I did in all the acting teachers that I've had in years. And he looked at me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he went, of course you did my boy. You were working with the best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a line I use with the young actors now when I see them.
0: You know, I have a friend of mine who's been on uh, young and the restless forever. And we were talking about young actors coming on the soaps, and he said, you, they, "He said, 20 years ago, you could get a young actor that wasn't that well trained, and they're 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 you know they're getting notches on their belt." He said, "Not today." He said they've got to hit the ground running. And mm-hmm. if their memorization skills aren't there, they're out the window real quick.
1: Oh, especially because, with the soap, they do like down when they yeah, they shoot 50 pages a day. Yeah.
0: Well, Will Schreiner's brother, Ken, I think is gonna come on and he played Scotty Baldwin on General Hospital Forever. And and Scott and, and Will and Ken will tell you that if you can't remember anything, like in on a TV set, you do what, one, maybe one and a half pages a day.
1: Yeah. But no, you yeah, live maybe usually a little bit more, but, but yeah, there was, you know, there are actors that work different ways. You know, there are actors that'll just, you know, when they shoot like this, there are actors that'll just keep doing the same line over and over. And then they put it together in the editing room. You know, you don't get a sense of the full scene and those are, those are painful if you're the actor on the other side of it. But
0: yeah. uh, I, I mean, that's what I love about voiceovers. You can go into the studio and if you're doing a, a game or, or you're doing something like that, like Robin Williams, when he did the, the Aladdin, it just was like, boom, boom, boom. He was riffing most of the time. Mm-hmm. And my background with the groundlings, I love to riff. Right. I just, right. I just love that stuff. Right. You've worked with some of the big people in town and my producer, Tommy has a question for you, Tommy, uh, I know you want to talk to him about uh, Mr. Galfini, so you go ahead.
2: Yeah, let me just pop in for a second. second. All right, Tommy, boy. You can't see him, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you can. No, there he is. Oh, there He's he is. Hey, He's Ray, good. very nice uh, to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, Tommy. Listen, I've been a fan since the night court days. I love wow. to practice <clears throat> uh, L.A. Law, obviously. Um, Little Carmine was one of my favorite characters on The Sopranos, possibly after Big Pussy, of course. hmm <laughs>
1: I everybody love everybody loves pussy, that's for sure. That's yo, like, yo, yeah. yo, you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: of course. I, I actually met James Gandolfini at a at one of the best burger places in South Florida called La Tub up in Hollywood. Oh wow. yes. Right near, near Capone's. A nice right near, Cap- what a right near Capone's. Tommy, that's right near Capone's. It's right next to Capone's. Right. So one of, one of the things is I see that you get typecast a lot as either a gangster, detective, street cop. How difficult is it in Hollywood to break free of that that kind of type set? And, and, uh... Well, uh,
1: it, you know, it's very interesting. You know, being on The Sopranos was like a double-edged sword. Um, you know, I had been working for, I don't know, 25 years before The Sopranos. And I always played lawyers, cops, doctors. Never once played a mobster until The Sopranos. The Sopranos ended and it was like, well there's a yeah. part for this lawyer and they tell my agent, "Yeah, but he's got that whole mobster thing going on." Well, there's a part of a cop. Yeah, but he's he's got that whole mobster thing. 25 years of never playing a mobster. I played a mobster once. It took me a long time. You know, it was I got work because of that, but I actually lost a lot of work right after the Sopranos. I lost a lot of work because they thought, "Well, they didn't even want to hire us as mobsters because like, oh, they think we're doing the Sopranos." And then they didn't want to hire me as a cop or a lawyer because always oh, he's too mobstery. Yeah. When wow. uh, so it, it was it took me you know it's it, I, so for a while there then I started getting offered some mob parts on on TV shows and if you know stupid it's like well no the writing's not going to be as good as the Sopranos so uh, I, t- I turned down a few mobster parts but if there was something interesting you know like an NCIS I talked about I played a mobster but that was. You know good writing and like I said a beautiful set and you know, I've done it a few times, but no It's really a great up.
0: dick wolf has a great production crew no matter what show you're yeah. on yeah.
2: with. Him. Yeah. Yeah, I've, great stuff Yeah well, uh, go ahead, go ahead Tom. I, was, I was gonna say I know everything is halted pr- production and stuff out there but can you talk about um, some of the, the some of the new stuff that you got coming out like uh, sunny boy uh, the mooch
1: yeah, yeah. Well, those are kind of small little things. Some I just did as, as favors. Sonny Boy, I don't know if it's ever going to get off the ground. I, lo- I. It was a nice script. It was an interesting character. Yeah. Um, I don't know what will happen with that. I did, you know, I I, I did, you know, in, what's interesting, I did kind of break out a little, and they happened in unusual ways. I'm in the movie Bad Education with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman and Allison ah. Janney. Uh, I think Hugh Jackman won the Emmy for it. With Ray Romano is in it. And uh, that we shot that a little bit, a little, maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, I play a character that is very different from anything I ever played, and I never, I didn't even audition for it. The director, who was 27 years old, saw me in Transparent, where I played a very unusual character, and he thought, no, I, I want you in this movie, playing Alice and Jenny's husband, <laughs> a suburban husband, car dealer, yeah. not a mobster, not you know, completely different, and it was so refreshing to just for a director to see me as an actor and not say, well, wait, he played a mobster on the Sopranos. I need a mobster in this. He's a good mobster or, you know, uh, so he just saw me as an actor and found this role and it wasn't a big part, but it, it was quite rewarding to, to, to do it.
0: Isn't that what? fun, though? Isn't that fun? Hold on a second, Tommy. Isn't yeah, that yeah. fun when, it, when an actor who gets typecast and suddenly an, a younger performer sees you <clears throat> as an actor? I mean, that, we're going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes because I want to talk about producers and directors you work with who work well with actors and those that do not. So, Tommy, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Ray, I thoroughly enjoy your work. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm going to let Derek, Gary finish this off and uh, get down to the Hollywood business. All right, cool. <laughs> really Thank nice, you, to Tommy. Talk to you. Thank you, Tommy. I'm here,
0: Tommy. You know, he's wearing my favorite university on his patch there, the U, where I went. Oh, to I school. couldn't
1: really see it. It looked like a Packers jacket.
0: No, it's not Packers. Well, we're it, green. We have the color it, green. It looked
1: like, come on, it did. I'm gonna I'm, I'm looking, I'm not ignoring you. I'm actually looking for something to show you. But go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Um, uh, you have worked, I, I've heard many actors Wait talk a about. Oh, yeah. That's that that me was as, you?
1: That's me as Vince Lombardi. Wow. You can't see. I don't know if you can see the teeth. No, no, no.
0: I can see it. Move it over a little bit uh, to your to your you left. You see the teeth? Yes. Boy, that is something, because that, that was Lombardi. I met Lombardi through my brother, Michael. Wow. And I met, I met Lombardi. This was a couple of years before he died. He was now the head coach of the Washington football team. Right. And was, and, 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 and and he looked at me and he said, are you going to grow up to be a football player like your brother? And I said, no, I got more sense than that. Yeah. And he just laughed like hell, because you oh, yeah. know his sense of humor. He you just know, my first
1: like one of my first nights playing Lombardi, you know, the, the play starts with Lombardi coming out and yelling at the audience as if they're the team. So the, mm-hmm. the audience are your team and you come out yelling at them. I mean, just berating them as he would do. And I look out and who's sitting in the first row that I'm yelling at? Lombardi's yes. daughter. You're kidding. <laughs> no, and I recognized her because I watched the documentary that she appears in on his life. I just watched it and it was like, and I'm yelling and it's like, oh shit. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. she's sitting next to Dan Loria, who's Ooh. my one of my oldest friends who created the role on Broadway. So yes, I'm he yelling did. at them and it's Dan Loria who played Lombardi and one of my first performance and Vince Lombardi's daughter sitting oh. next to him. And I'm yelling at them for the opening of the play. So that was did kind Did she of, come
0: backstage to see you afterwards? Oh yeah, yeah. No, she was she was
1: lovely. She was very warm and very uh, uh, effusive in her um, in her praise of
0: my- I remember Dan Loria doing, and I've, you know, for those of you that don't know, Dan Loria is a character actor, superb a character actor, seen all over the place. I remember when he was doing the, making the rounds on the shows for doing a Lombardi. And, and I thought, boy, if there ever was a guy perfect for that part to a certain yeah. extent, the way he looks and everything, he, it's Dan Laurie, and I know he could pull it off. I know we he can should
1: tell pull people, he played the father on the Wonder Years. That's what
0: most Yeah. Oh, yes. Do. Okay, yeah, there yeah. you go. I, for, I forget about that because the kid wore that Jets jacket and the Jets are yeah. still <laughs> right. bugging me to this very day. So when you get on the set and you know you're working with a certain director, and, mm-hmm. you know, because either through what maybe Mindy has told you or other actors have told you or what you found out, this is an actor's director. And and I'll have you explain that in a minute. But and then you work with act- directors who are like, you know, traffic they don't know
1: what, a traffic yeah, cop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. Talk about the differences and how it makes your job easier when you have an actor's director compared to someone who isn't.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll give you perfect yeah I'll give you a good example. I remember I did an, an episode of uh, this was when the Sopranos was was kind of first starting. I before, way before I was on it, I did an episode of uh, Touch by an Angel shooting oh, in yes. Salt Lake City, Utah. Now Touch uh-huh. by an Angel was a very specific show, <laughs> was very proper and, and I remember I was shooting it and the crew starts saying Tim is coming in. Tim is coming in. And they say and I say who's Tim? He says, "Oh, he's our favorite director." He's directing the next episode, so he's coming in to uh, to prep the next episode, Touch by an Angel." So Tim, so then I check t- Tim who? Tim Van Patten. I said Tim uh, Van uh. Patten. He just f- he directs some of the best Sopranos episodes, and here he's directing Touch by an Angel. Angel." But what I notice is the crew. Just couldn't wait for him to get there. Then I ended up working with him on The Sopranos when I was finally on, and I completely understood it because he's an actor's director, he's a cruise director, he's the writer's director, he's the producer's director, he's just a good director. And, uh, you know, he'll give you a little note, not much, he stays out of your way. He just captures what you're doing.
0: Yeah.
2: And,
1: uh, you know, if you watch some of the episodes he's, he directed on that show, like uh, he directed that big fight scene between uh, Jim and Edie, that big, very physical. Oh, yeah. And he, I think he also directed the scene with Ralphie, the, where, where Tony kills Ralphie. Those are very intense scenes. And he just knows when to just back off and let the actors do their thing you know, and he knows when to come in and say, you know, give yeah. it a little, yeah, the difference is, is is night and day. And then there are other directors who will just say, on this line stand here, on this line stand there, and yeah, this line take yeah, a sip yeah. of water, you know, they're basically traffic. So then you just do, you know, I, in TV it's so fast. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times in TV, the directors really don't have that much of a free hand anyway, unless it's a show like The Sopranos, yeah. um, where they, they hire very specific directors. Um, so you, you, there's not always a lot of leeway there. And plus, if you're a regular on the show, you already know your character. So it's not like some a director that's just coming on is going to tell you, well, your character wouldn't say that. It's like, well, <clears throat> my character. Um, so Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I understand what you're I don't, I think, I don't you're... think I've ever... I don't think I've... I can't count on one hand uh, any kind of difficulty I've ever had with any kind of director. Um, yeah. You know, I'm still... I'm still of the mind. Like they want me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to be, the, I'm just going to be prepared and I'm going to do what they want. Cause I want them to like me. Uh, you know, I still have that. Like I'm just starting out yeah. feeling it's never left me. So I aim to please. And unless a director gives me a note that I know in my heart is completely wrong. Right. Um, I'll, I'll always try what they want to do. So it's, you know, and I'll give it. I'll give it my all, even if I don't agree with it. They want me to try something a certain way. I'll try yeah. it, and I'm not going to hold back to try to sabotage it. I'll do it, and then they'll know it works, or I'll learn that it works, or they'll learn it doesn't work, and then we don't we move on.
2: Yeah, um, so- I learned. I learned that at the Groundlings.
0: I mean, uh-huh. because you know, you know, you know, the Groundlings is a great school for improv. Right. And if it wasn't for Robin Williams, I never would have went there to begin with. Mm -hmm. I auditioned so many times. But Will Schreiner directed me in a a couple of things that I did while I was out there when he was starting out. And I turned to Will one night and I said, you know, you're great to work for. He said, Gary, I hire you because you're an actor. I want Mm -hmm. you to act. I want you to give it something. I don't want you to just go through the words and go through, I want emotion. I want, you know, and he said, you have that. He said, and that comes from where you've been. You know, if I do a movie, if I don't act anymore but if I did a war movie, I've been in a war. Right, right. I've been in a war. I know what, I know what it's like, emotional. We got about five minutes left to go here in the program. And I want to thank everybody, by the way, Bucket List, thank you so much. Uh, this this person just said, uh, love the show, hope it goes on a lot. I will, I promise you, every Friday at 5 p.m. right here on uh, Community C News and the Network. It'll be Main Street with me, Gary Allen, and sometimes Andy Corge may drop in, too. Uh, we, with the five minutes we got left, how much has Ray Abruzzo changed over the years, not only as an actor, but as a man? And, uh, you know, you're going to come back, I hope, because we've got to talk about your animal rights stuff but and, and your political activism but how much has Ray Abruzzo changed with the work you've done and the people you've met and who has changed you the most? Or the best I, I advice? Don't, you
1: I, I don't think, I, I, I don't really think I, I've changed that much. Um, you know, like I said, I still feel like I'm still starting out in a sense. You know, every yeah. time I, every time they say that's a rap for Ray Abruzzo, I hear that's a career rap for Ray Abruzzo, he'll never work again.
0: Every actor yeah. thinks that though. Right.
1: So, um, so that's the way I feel, and so in a sense, I still have that—I still have that sense of hunger that I had, you know, 40 years ago yeah. or more when I first started. So I haven't. Certain roles change you, you know. Um, it, it's rare that that happens, but uh, when I was on Transparent, I don't know if you watched that show. I played a very u- unique character, and being on that set, kind of, I was always pretty open and pretty liberal, and and. Mm-hmm you know, accepting of people. And then I was on that show and uh, I remember driving home after that. And I thought, I said to my first day, my first day, I was driving home and I thought, you know what, I think you're a little better person today than you were on your way to work. It yeah. was just, uh, so hopefully I'm a better person. You know, the things that have changed, uh, you know, I think, well, I've always been an animal guy, so, uh, yeah. but now I'm just more into it. I don't think I've changed that much. All I know is- I just get better looking, it seems. I I think that's the only- uh, Oh,
0: gee, humility coming from an Italian fellow. Did I say
1: that?
0: Yes. All I know is, hey, listen, all I know is I love you. You know that. You've been a dear friend to me. you come on all my shows. I'm going to have you back. Um, I I just love talking to you because I love talking show business. If you don't love this business, you have no business in it. The best advice I ever got was, if there's something else in your life you want to do, go do it. Because you're not going to do that.
1: Somebody asked me last night, we were talking about being acting teachers, because sometimes I'll coach actors and they say, what's the thing you tell them? And it's like, if there's something else you could do, do it. Because I always thought if you could be talked out of this, you shouldn't be in it.
0: Go in it. No, no. And the same thing being a talk show host. Thank God I have all that background before. And I have and I've had great relationships of people that will be coming on. But Ray, I want to thank you so much. Okay. for coming on my first show. God bless you. Uh, your palacious palace. You are the best, my dear friend. And I hate you because you're so good looking. Uh, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Give my best to everybody. Would you please? I will. And I'll talk to you on the phone. God bless you. Thank All you right, so man. much.
1: Take care. What is he, What is his name again? Alan? what?
0: Who is Jeffrey, it? Alan? Steve Allen. Uh, Steve Allen. Oh, I like Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Allen. Oh. Steve Allen. <laughs> Take hey, care, buddy. my friend. All right. All right, that was it for uh, for Main Street. I just want to thank everybody for joining us here on this Friday, Join us next Friday. Jeffrey Mark is going to be back, is going to be on with us, excuse me, next week. He's a historian about Hollywood. He knows every actor that pretty much has been in Hollywood. He knows the backstories, networks call him. Tune in next week to Main Street at 5 p.m. right here on the Miami Sea News Network. Until then, thank you, Ray Abruzzo. Thank you all very much. God bless you, and until next week.